welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, with my co-host, Light. Hey, how's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. We got a special guest, and I'm real excited. Navar from the Secret Nerd Podcast, where they think everyone should play tabletop RPGs, and they even give us some reasons why. Navar, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'd like to know how you got into doing your podcast. What what got you started, and kind of what it was that you were, uh, what it was that pushed you in that direction to do that? Because I've been listening lately, and I I've been enjoying it. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Uh, always happy to have listeners. Of course, that's why we make these things, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, what really got me into it um, there was a couple things. So I, I wanted to do something in the TTRPG community. Um, I, I enjoy playing games, but uh, actual play wasn't really a realistic thing for me. Just from scheduling, um, I have uh, three kids and then my even my friends that I play with, our schedules kind of, we always don't align. Like we have a weekly game, quote unquote, but uh, we play every other week, sometimes every, you know, it takes three weeks. So, um, you know, we're just adults in our thirties who are trying to figure it all out. So, um, and on top of that, obviously, playing an actual play that's interesting and that's apart from the thousands of them that are out there now, like you really have to have something special. And I think that performative aspect of it is something that we don't normally do in our games. And I don't want to like sully what we already have because we have a fun game and a fun group. You know what I mean? But it's like, we take 15 minute breaks to look up rules and yeah. (laughs) so I was like, "Ah, you know, it it happens that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, An actual play pocket. You know, I never heard, uh, was critical role is a big one. And I had, I never heard critical role until actually about this last month, I listened to an episode to see what it was like. And it's, very different from like an actual game that I'm used to playing. It's yeah. not to say anything negative about it, but those people, the players are very like they're voice actors. They're voice yeah. actors. Improv. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's neat what they do. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and, and so obviously if you're creating something like that for people to listen to, then there has to be a performative aspect to it or else people are not going to be interested. Um, and so that just seemed like a lot of crazy pressure and a lot of scheduling and a lot of things that I wasn't going to do. So um, the other thing that I have always enjoyed is interviews with people, not even necessarily interview podcasts, but just getting like people that I like to see musicians, actors, whatever being interviewed. I always think it's such a fun um, thing to watch. Cause then you get to kind of learn something about them. And so I just was like, well, what if I just did an interview show and talked about how people got into games? Because my home group is most of them were the first four members of my, or the first four interviews I did. Um, and so we're a very diverse cast, um, of, of people. And, and I was like, well, this is really cool because we're not what you see every day. Like even critical role is an amazing cast. And I, I really admire their work, but they're also six white people. Right. And so I was like, it's pretty white. It's pretty yeah. white on that show. So I don't, yeah. I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so they, and, you know, and they have moments where they act out characters who are part of the LGBT community, but I don't know exactly what they're, it seems like because of, they all have um, spouses in the cisgender realm, I guess, without like trying to judge or, you know, guess too much, but it seems like they all have a very normal or a very hetero, relationship in their own lives, personal lives. So to my point, you know, there's not a lot of diversity there. And so as I was looking around at different podcasts to listen to, because I do enjoy listening to actual play podcasts, 
it it was something I couldn't find there either. Like it was just impossible. So I was like, I know there's people out there who are like me and like my friends who don't look like that, who play these games and I want to go find them. And so, yeah. And so I just kind of talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And my buddy finally was like, all right, I bought a mic. Yeah, let's just do it. (laughs) Let's Let's record episode one. So, uh, so that's kind of started. And then I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a person that if I, once I start to get into something, I become obsessed with it and I have to like learn everything about it and continue it. And so here we are 20 episodes in. I, awesome. empath- I empathize with that. <laughs> That's yeah. like I, get, I get a little myopic and I hone in on things and I'm into I'm just, uh, yeah, obsession's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I know you play role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a large part of it. I know you're into, I've noticed you talk about a lot of the other, uh, what they call like nerd type stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely, I, I'm a huge comic nerd and a huge yeah. role-playing nerd going way back. So what games are you currently playing? <laughs> um, so my main game is Pathfinder 2E. Um, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, what my friends and I play uh, when we get together. Uh, we used to play D&D, 5E. Um, mm-hmm. Really just switch because I got the books and and I, I'm the DM. So, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your choice, Dungeon Master, yeah, your yeah. choice. <laughs> so I wanted to try it. Um, but my, is it the most recent? I think the most recent, yeah, episode 20. Um, I just interviewed Mark Diaz Truman from Magpie Games, which is here in New Mexico also. That's where I'm from. And so I hadn't had a chance to play any of the games, but I actually got to go meet him and, and the rest of their team. I got to go down to their studio. Um, oh, wow. And That's so, awesome. yeah. So um, I played, because uh, I got a few books from them. I, so I played um, uh, Zombie World, which is like their, it's a TTRPG, but it's card-based. There's no dice. And so um, you just kind of draw cards to get your character. You draw three, three cards to create your character. And then you just draw cards to get different scenarios and things like that. Um, that was the first TTRPG that my wife ever played. And I don't think she liked it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> she's well, not a nerd at all. <laughs> well, it was also a zombie game, right? So yeah, the yeah. horror zombie. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah, my wife is just 100% not a nerd. But it, it was just like, <laughs> I tried. She was she was very nice. And, and, and our friends played. And so um but yeah, and so I have um, masks that I want to try, and then um, cartel, which I also want to try. But I, I mean, I want to try so many games: Delta yeah. Green, The Witcher RPG, Vampire Masquerade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu to that end as well. So of I, I like the Call of Cthulhu stuff. I've played. I, yeah, I've been into that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we have Delta Green on the list of games that we well, that I want to run to yeah. play as a non-traditional Call of Cthulhu type of universe. So yeah yeah it's such a fun game um and there's like some some pretty good there's not a ton i I would say as far as like the good podcasts out there that play delta green there's three that i know of um and but there's probably some more too but those are like but yeah there's like three main ones but it's just such a it's not a game that a lot of people play but once you listen to like what it is and like or read the books it's like holy shit this is so cool yeah Mm -hmm. Now, I know that Lights mentioned Delta Green a few times. Uh-huh. I was under the impression it was kind of a Cthulhu-esque type game. Am I, am I off? Could you could y'all no, explain it to is. me what it is a little more? Because I don't have the books. Yeah, so 100% it is. Um, so Call of Cthulhu typically, depending on what setting you're playing, but most of the time it's 1920s America. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, or wherever. But you could change that setting. But for the most part, people usually go older, older. Um, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. So 
which is a weird to say. Wait, wait, wait. It's uh, 100 years ago? Hold on. Yeah. You're actually right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is bizarre. 100 years ago uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Delta Green is a modern game. It's, it's you're playing as, instead of just, like, random people who decide to go investigate horrors, you're a... Um, I say horrors weird. So if that sounded like horrors, that's not what I meant. Um, But um, Delta Green is like you are an actual investigator who works for an agency like the X-Files that goes and investigates these things. So yeah, so you're like a little bit more prepared. You're still going to get fucked up if you fight them like these monsters yeah, but like still but, loss. yeah but you you sometimes can be more prepared to have like better guns and armor and stuff like that so that yeah. i like that idea that's pretty cool and does that use the regular cthulhu system or is it a different system that it uses for it it's an altered cthulhu system i think yes so it's still d100 yeah. it's still d100 if you're familiar with the chaosium basic role play system that call cthulhu uses you should be able to pick yeah. up delta green pretty easily i mean some of their skills or what they call this goes might be a little bit different, but the game mechanics are pretty much the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only thing about Delta Green that I was nervous about was because you can pay, play like government agents essentially or mm-hmm. government military. And that was the only portion that I was a little bit hesitant on in terms of. So am I going to play some type of secret CIA leftovers as part of the Delta Green initiative or, yeah. or can I be a little <laughs> bit more indie? <laughs> yeah. So, and it, and it really is like, to from what i understand you can kind of change it up too like yeah um you know you could be a doctor or right. a nurse even or like a fucking firefighter for whatever reason or yeah you could just be like paramilitary like uh um you know uh something like green beret navy SEAL yeah type of thing. yeah like former <laughs> formerly of special yep. forces but now you're just like what are they called so you're a fortune. mercenary yeah yeah mercenary <laughs> so yeah that you can kind of change it up yeah you so you listen to actual plays and you weren't going to do an actual play. You were going to do the interview. You had some pretty interesting, good interviews. Thank you. And that recent one, I really enjoyed that. They do Powered by the Apocalypse type games, don't they? That is correct, yeah. I've not yet. Now, was the card one that you play, what was that one you called it? Yeah, a zombie world. It is. Yeah. It is. It does use a, obviously, altered uh, Powered by the Apocalypse system. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question. How well do you know the Powered by the Apocalypse thing? Because I'm not familiar with it. I've never played a Powered by the Apocalypse game. We were just talking about this earlier today, uh, our other DM, John. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could probably explain it. So basically how it works is like you you still create a character, but for the most part, you get a playbook um, that says like these are certain special moves that you have that give you like benefits or, or whatever. Um, and for the most part, it's very narrative driven. So you, in this, I believe you roll two D8s, if I remember oh, correctly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then you, if you get like a seven to nine and you sometimes have a modifier. So if you get seven to nine, then you, you hit, you succeed in what you're doing, but there's a consequence. And if you get a 10 plus, then you succeed. If right. you get below a seven, then you just fail. Um, and so there's things like uh, that the other player, the NPC or the PC can do against you. Like cartel is there is some PVP aspects to it, not necessarily always combative, like physical PVP, but there is like, I'm trying to move my way up in the cartel. You're trying to move your way up in the cartel, or we have similar goals, but a different means to that end. Um, and so you might do certain things to the other player to try to uh, disrupt what they're trying to do. Or they might like try to get you to tell the truth and you don't want to tell the truth about the situation. So now I've heard people say it's more narrative 
driven is, of yeah. sort and, mm-hmm. and how does that differ like i'm familiar with pathfinder like how yeah. does that differ like pathfinder is very much like built on game mechanics of the character sheet right. and whatnot so how does that differ and what makes it narrative driven when you're playing that yeah so similarly like if you're familiar with um vampire the masquerade for instance like yeah similarly to that like if you want to engage in combat it's like okay what are you going to do like all right i'm going to run to this uh behind this car and i'm going to take a shot at these uh at this person right and then you would roll to see if you hit on that um it's not like okay well the car is 50 feet away you don't have you only have 30 feet of movement so you can only move this far and then you know what i mean like there's there's no there's no hard mechanics for those kinds of things. And then, you know, if let's say you do get shot by a gun, if the narrative makes sense that you get shot and you're down, like, or the person rolls above a 10 and they get to pick, like, I want to do lethal harm to you, then that's what happens. Like, there's no hit point counter. Okay, um, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Like, we play, a, we get into a lot of, like, old school games, old game. Well, I'll be straight up, they weren't old when we started playing them. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of stuff that's older and one of the things i like about some of the older games and i like like a lot of games that are streamlined rules is that idea that that the character the player character when you're playing your character you have to describe what's going on less than like looking at what this is okay this is so far i like the engagement like that a little more creativity from the players i think that looking back like historically in gaming like there was something that was brought to gaming when vampire the masquerade came out in the 90s it was a little bit different than everything else that was out there i was not the biggest vampire fan but i can at least acknowledge it. it seems that that's had more of an influence in the last 20 years on gaming than i think i realized for a while yeah, I think it's definitely had a, a, a huge impact. I haven't had the chance to play it, but I'm familiar with it um, and the system now. But um, yeah, it's definitely changed it. Be- and especially now when we talk about like that performative aspect of it, because people, there are a lot of people who just enjoy the role play. There's sure. I mean, probably less people playing TTRPGs that actually enjoy combat. Some of them are just like, I, I could probably do without it. Um, you know, I played a, a one shot for a new game that just went into Kickstarter this week. And we, our whole, like three hours of gameplay was zero combat. And it was so much fun. I, I still want to play that game. And so I think that there's, it adds another aspect to it. And of course, like Vampire the Masquerade obviously has combat, very violent combat, you know, that you can get into. <laughs> and Cartel and Mastin as well. Uh, so there are those things there, but I think it's just that part, like that storytelling part is, is something that connects the people at the table. Like you don't connect with your friends at the table as much over like, all right, I do three attacks. Okay. Right, you right. Hit for 42 hit points. Cool. Next <laughs> turn. Like you connect with your players when it's like, Hey, you know, we're walking, um, we're walking down this uh, dock and I'm looking at all this crazy food. I want to try this food. And then like, you know, I go into a 10 minute rant about creative fantasy food. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the moments that our players are like, oh yeah, this is so much fun. And they enjoy the combat too, but that's. Well, that's what they remember. <laughs> yeah. Even in Pathfinder and D&D, like that's still mostly secondary. You're going to remember, of course, those critical hits, right? Sure. Like, you know, my players went into a combat in our home game that they thought they were going to die ended up making it out the, the guy takes off um our druid runs out jumps out the window as a leopard lands comes out of wild shape and hits him in the back with a uh, acid arrow for a crit 
and oh. wiped him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was like such a huge moment because it was so like, but you know, the cinematic part of like, oh, they're jumping out windows and they're chasing each other and all this right. stuff. And like, they're, they're trying not to get caught by these city guards. Like that's the stuff that really makes the games fun. And I think that those narrative games lend themselves to that more. Um, I think that they're, as much as I love Pathfinder and D&D, like those systems lead players to go, how do I optimize my character's situation yes. in this combat? You yeah. know what I mean? Even if you're not like a min-maxer, like you're still, okay, well, I'm the rogue, so how do I get sync attack on this round? I'm going to try to backstab, you know? Get yeah, around yeah, exactly. That's my maximum way to do damage. But right. And it's like, okay, but if you were in a real fight, like you wouldn't be like, oh shit, my friend's getting beat up. Let me figure out how I can get advantage in this situation To, You know what I mean? It's like, right. how do I stop this from happening? And uh, so, you know, I, I try personally as a DM to encourage my players to do things like that. It, you know, it doesn't always work. Obviously you still like, well, this is kind of what I want to do. And which is perfectly fine. But I think it's, it's fun whenever you play to a situation instead of to your character sheet. Oh yeah. Agreed. That's, Agreed. and I've got, I've had a few, uh, we've had a few episodes just talking about that. Uh, that's one of the things that I did not care about. Some of the newer, like post 2000 uh, modern versions of the game, like after third edition, is there was yeah. so much given to the sheet that I found that when players were playing, that they would look at the sheet instead of me and telling me what they were doing. Yeah. Another thing I think that changed that is like when we started playing for I, I probably the first 20 some years i had never used a mini in game and people yeah. i've heard the term recently um oh what's that term they say oh it's really big in the gaming industry now oh theater of the mind oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. and i n- i hadn't heard that term until well i would say recently but recently is decades now for me. <laughs> <laughs> like the 21st century yeah as theater of the mind and i really do prefer that style of of combat in a game it comes to combat i prefer doing theater of the mind yeah uh, number one i feel that people are kind of trying to imagine it and they're like oh can i do this can i and whatever's in their mind i think okay yeah. yeah and i like to try to let them at least attempt and give them some kind of role to do it yeah. And I think that those narrative games lend themselves to that because like I said, there's, you're not worried about the mechanics of how far I am. So I, like, I even find it difficult in Pathfinder to do theater of the mind when it's like, okay, well, can, okay, how big is this room again? How far am I away from this thing? Like how much, you know, and then you're trying to remember all this stuff. So even myself, like, even if I don't have a map on roll 20, I'll still draw you know, on yeah. grid paper Sketch or it a something. Little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, this is what we're working with. Um, and so that's nice when you're playing a game um, like Cartel or like Mass when it's like, yeah, I don't have to worry about this. Like, okay, you have a few seconds, right? Like, we're, I'm not going to hold you to a specific time and start getting crazy, but like, cool. You see the guys walking in from outside. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I'm like, fucking pistol whip this guy and jump over the counter. <laughs> All right. Do that. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a lot of fun that way. And I think uh, um, there, there are things that I think can still be done, obviously. And you start to get into, like, game hacks and stuff. Um, and, you know, at that point, you're kind of changing a lot of the game. But I think there's things that we could do to make combat more dynamic um, and allow players to realize that they have more options to do cool shit in those games. 
Yeah. Well, we're going to have to invite you to join in a one shot or something with one of our games to show you yeah. some of our house rules we've made to try to speed <laughs> things up. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. One, one of the house rules I made. So I'm doing a one shot here pretty soon with some other um, uh, podcasts and streamers. And uh, one of the house rules that I made, and we're using it for Pathfinder 2E, was that if you have to roll a dexterity save, you have to move. And based on if you crit succeed, succeed, fail, or crit fail, that's going to determine how you move exactly. But you got to move. Like, I don't understand how you could take a fireball and say, all right, I'm a rogue. I have evasion. That fireball missed me. And it's like, well, you're no, still in you, the same square. So you how exactly did you? Yeah. yeah well, you either way, but it's like, but how did you dodge? Like, you just stood right. in one place. Like, nothing's moved. And you watch, like, you know, that's what's so, that's what can be so boring about a TTRPG combat is like, especially for, a d20 system is like okay yeah we stand here and just toe-to-toe against each other and it's like wouldn't it be cool if like you did a certain amount of damage or like let's say the player you the you instead of using your ac use your dodge ac and now you step to the side you know what i mean or like they're trying to force you into a corner or force you off of a bridge or whatever like those things can happen obviously i can understand how it can get a little bit more crunchy but i also think there's something to be said about adding dynamic play to a game. So, oh yeah, no doubt. There's also there's also so many different ways you can take one game. And I, I was saying this recently in, in another one of our podcasts, something similar to this. But one thing I think is that you can take one one game, like take Pathfinder, or you could take A D and D or whatever it is. And there's probably a hundred different ways you can run that game. Yeah. Nobody is following every single rule in the book. For sure. When they're running. I don't care who says they do. We run it exactly by the book. I have yet to be involved in that game. There's something that's kind of, we're not going to use this at this moment. It could be used in this situation. And a lot of that's dependent on what the game is that the dungeon master, the game master wants to run. Right. Like, am I going to, like, we're getting ready to start playing All Flesh Must Be Eaten this Sunday. Mm. And this Halloween, and we're gonna we're we're gonna be focusing from what i understand that's gonna be like very resource survival like trying to get by which is a very different game than like something like when you when you have like a lot of minis on the table and you're measuring like like with the squares (laughs) at five feet and stuff like that's a very that can be a very different game than when you go into a more narrative driven loose less crunchy system there's a lot of different ways you can approach it but you can take the same game you can even run that same game in all those various different ways just by focusing on a different rule set. Am I focusing on more encumbrance rules and turns and rounds while I'm dungeon delving? Or am I focusing more on the nuances of combat? You can do the same game a hundred different ways. Yeah. <laughs> and I think once you have like the skills that the character has and you know how you run a basic combat, like those are the fundamental things that go into a system. And the other stuff you can play that game without it. You know what I mean? Um, You know, does it, are you losing something? I'm sure there's something to be said there maybe, but, um, but I think that there are for sure rules in most systems that are just like, okay, I mean, we could do this or we could not. If I forget it, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like it's not going to break the game. game. Yeah. 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 We're not going to break the adventure that we have. And I think it, a lot of times it really depends on like, you know, the dungeon master and as well as your gaming group in terms of preferences. Yeah, because you know a lot of times if I'm DMing after work, my brain's as I told Logan, pretty fried. I'm not gonna get super crunchy because my brain just can't function right. that well after work anymore. So I'm gonna keep it simple. Yeah. Or for other players, some players might love to get into the rules and get super crunchy. Other ones, like you said, 
might want to do more narrative experiential type of game as well and descriptive and they're not going to follow the nth rule or the nth (laughs) reading of page 452 or whatever it is right (laughs) i mean how many games have you played that you have to that you're actually tracking how many arrows you shot and um whether or not you ate breakfast lunch (laughs) and dinner that day well if i play a halfling yes but (laughs) (laughs) that's more for flavor yeah 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 we we don't track that type of stuff very heavily (laughs) and so like when we when we were playing D, when we originally thought we were going to play a long campaign it was like we talked about that and i was like look i don't really care like arrows whatever that's not the end of the world and food like i'm not going to make you guys track food until we get to a point where i'm like this is an extreme environment right if you're in a desert or something then you have to yeah now exploration becomes a core mechanic of what we're doing and so right yeah you have to figure out how you're going to have water and food you know, because that the environment itself is now your yeah. enemy. That's so, scarcity. Yeah, yeah. Forbidden Lands handles like tracking stuff like food and water in a really cool way where you're not like just noting off each time that you, you know, drink something. Like you don't have like you have five meals and you know, you don't know what yeah. I mean. You have a die and the die can range from like i think like a d6 to it's a like d6. d6 to 12 i think and then 12 you can lose rank and as, as you consume. every time yeah you just constantly during the rounds of the day you or however often you have to eat you're supposed to roll to check if you have to get into those resources if you fail the roll you go down to die until you know you're out it's kind <laughs> of neat it's a little easier to track and cumber yeah. uh, to track that stuff the way they handled it yeah i was really enjoying that when we were playing it i'd like to see more of that i actually might try to incorporate some of those ideas into other games <laughs> yeah, they worked yeah. real well yeah but they had a real cool approach to that but like you're right like a lot of times depending on and it depends on like if like like i'm assuming that this all flesh must be eaten since it's just i think it might be a little more resource driven but there's a different like the when you're talking about resource management and survival, that's a that's an approach to running the game. Right. That's a choice because you think there's something there that could be fun and neat to kind of do. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's choosing and picking and choosing kind of is 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 uh, what determines what kind and type of game you're going to go after. Yeah. And I think if you have you know like a ranger, then it's nice to. Yeah, and, and and that's something that they want to do as a ranger sure like, yeah, yeah, sure. Fine. yeah Roll go, go for it like, yeah. yeah go for it no problem <laughs> i love it go hunt yeah, yeah go, go hunt <laughs> yeah but um but yeah i mean i think most players now like i said it, it really comes down to like let's play the 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 fun parts of the game yeah you know? exactly and, and enjoy those moments and and uh you know and just make sure like because i think it's easy to overlook those things so it's like yeah if you have a ranger like make sure the ranger's doing something that's enjoyable for them too um you know and yeah. if you're gonna play as a ranger then play pathfinder and not D. <laughs> well D seems to have a lot well i don't know about how many are out for second edition now because the first edition pathfinder well man there is so There's many options <laughs> and i have so many third third party books too yeah. from like cobalt press to like frog god to like all yeah, these yeah. different ones that i've got green ronin it was unlimited options for a player characters there and and, and like where as opposed to like back with old ad and d you've got eight yeah, yeah. <laughs> pathfinder still pushes out a ton yeah. they do yeah 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be picking up. I haven't picked up the second edition uh, core book yet, but I'm gonna be picking it up here very soon, especially yeah. after the news of Paizo unionizing. unionizing all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, if they yeah. acknowledge the union, I'm definitely going out and picking up the second Ed core book, and I'm gonna end up reading through some of that. Yeah, that and the Beast Year is like next on my list to pick up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've already come out with. Uh, I want to say 10, 10 like official core classes, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. okay. something like that. So uh, in addition to the main that they already had. Oh, in addition. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's quite yeah, a few. So, yeah. Awesome. And then you have subclasses in that. And so it's insane. And I mean, even just like the way Pathfinder builds characters is like every level you're gaining something, a skill feat, a general feat, or a class feat. Wow. And so you're constantly making your character unique um, you know which is so cool like you could have a party of 10 fighters and And they all be different (laughs) yeah yeah unless like you're cheating off each other's character sheets but yeah (laughs) well we're 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 kind of running out of time here today (laughs) (laughs) i've got a little alert here telling me that (laughs) well i'd like before we do go I would like if you could tell our listeners how they can find you online, how they can, where they can reach you and and check out the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So um, wherever you find me, I'm, you know, I'm happy to engage Uh, secret NRD social is the Twitter and then secret nerd podcast is the Instagram. Um, I don't mess with Facebook uh, or meta as it's called now i guess um yeah whatever <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i heard fucking, that today <laughs> um but yeah um the podcast is available pretty much wherever you can wherever you listen to podcasts awesome yeah check it out i have a, a diverse guest on i'm all about diversity and inclusion um you know making this a more accessible space for everybody yes and showing that there are people out here who are playing these games who are doing fantastic work in in this realm and uh and deserve to to be listened to so well thank you very much for coming on and as always you can find us online wobbliesandwizards.com you can search our page on facebook just search wobblies and wizards and keep those dice rolling yeah we hope we can roll dice with you in the future as well too yeah for sure thank you for having me i appreciate it